You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church, and today I want to talk to you about how to find joy when you make time for Jesus this Christmas season. How to find joy when you make time for Jesus this Christmas season. You know, if we focus on ourselves and our current conditions, it's pretty sad. It's hard to find joy when uh, there's really not a whole lot going on for this Christmas season like we've enjoyed in the past. Uh, For our church, we weren't able to have the kids' Christmas program, which has always been great. Uh, We weren't able to have the Christmas dinner, which we've had every year since we started. Um, I haven't been to any Christmas, big Christmas gathering events, parties, anything, uh, because we're being told that we should avoid large groups so we don't spread the COVID virus. So uh, here I am making another video sermon to share with you, wishing we could all get together. So on Sunday at uh, 10.45 a.m., though, for the church people, uh, we're going to send you the login information for uh, a Zoom gathering and uh, soon, very soon, we hope to get together. Very soon, we hope to uh, get a larger space with great ventilation, a place that you can be safe, a place where we can worship, a place that we can responsibly gather. But we need to get the idea of Christmas is about us out of our heads and get back to the idea that Christmas is remembering all that Jesus did for us and all that Jesus is. Kay Arthur had said, what's your focus today? Joy comes when it's Jesus first, others second, and then you. Martin Luther had said, if you have a troubled heart, listen to the angel's song. I bring you tidings of great joy. Jesus did not come to condemn you. If you wanted to find Christ rightly, then pay heed to how the angel defines him, quote, a great joy, unquote. Jesus is a great joy. So Christmas comes along the same time every year and we have our traditions and uh, maybe you go to the mall and you shop or you do all these things that maybe you haven't been able to do. And maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Maybe the fact that your schedule probably isn't as full this Christmas as it has been in the past will help you to find time to focus on Jesus and not all the other Christmas stuff this Christmas season. This may be a hidden blessing. You may think that Christmas is ruined, but uh, with the memories that you might make, uh, the connections that you might make, the thoughts that you might have, uh, the things that you go through might actually be good and draw you closer to Jesus than in the past. So let's let's assume that that's the way it's going to go as we put Jesus first this Christmas time. So, you know, when it comes to time, you and I get the same amount of time. Everybody gets the same amount of time. So uh, the time can be taken in different ways, like if you have to watch kids, or you have to work or whatever. Uh, but then there's the time, your free time, the net expendable time that you can use to do what you want. What are you going to do with it? So Frank, Ben Franklin had said, do you love life? Then don't squander time for that's the stuff life is made of. So we can't generate more time, though sometimes we can pay people to do things for us, or we cannot do things 
and uh, take that time to do something more important. So when we put Jesus first, we always come out ahead. And so in the time that I have here, the time that you're watching this, the time that I don't want to squander, I wanted to focus on some of the Christmas characters, the people in the Christmas story, and why God used them. And I think it had a lot to do with the way they used their time, the things that they did. So number one, live righteously all the time, like Elizabeth and Zechariah. So I talked about that the last time, uh, was it two weeks ago? Talked about Elizabeth and Zechariah, John the Baptist's parents. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, said, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So, that's how they spent their time. So they had probably um, all sorts of options, things they could do, and they were careful to do what God wanted them to do, to live the way that God wanted them to do. And if we can, as a church, can help you grow spiritually to learn the things that God wants you to do, we would love to send you some links, um, help you. Um, maybe if you live locally, we could even come alongside and help you to grow in the Christian life. But they spent their lives doing what was right in God's eyes, and God honored them by blessing them with a child in their old age that was going to be uh, the one that proclaimed Jesus, the one that uh, uh, the opening act to uh, get, re get everybody ready for Jesus to come. You know, when we think about the things that we do and the way that we live our lives, uh, if we start to live rightly today, it can make all the difference tomorrow and in the future. So think about the things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. The things that you're doing that don't really matter uh, are making a difference for the kingdom of God. I mean, uh, they're not bad, but they're not good. They're just a waste of time when you could be doing something else. Um, and then change that. John Maxwell, I appreciate the fact that he's a pastor and also a uh, leader ship expert wrote has written so many books on leadership i love reading his stuff and he says you will never change your life until you change something you do daily success doesn't just suddenly occur one day in someone's life neither does failure each is a process every day of your life is merely preparation for the next what you become is the result of what you do today so i mean think about that what can you change now? What can what new habits can you develop? What things can you learn? How can you grow? What can you change about yourself now so that you can live righteously and obey God's commandments and regulations and God's desires for you? So because you want to, because it's the desire of your heart, that is a great motivation to honor the Lord and follow Jesus is because you know he loves you and because you love him back and you want to follow after him. So D.L. Moody had said, if we have the true love of God in our hearts, we will show it in our lives. We will not have to go up and down the earth proclaiming it. We will show it in everything we say or do. Do you have the true love of God in your life? Can people see it flowing through you, through the things that you say, through the things that you do, through the things that you post on social media, through the things that you find important in the way that you use your time. Number two, adjust our timeline and expectations like Joseph. Adjust our timeline and expectations like Joseph. So Joseph, there's not a whole lot said about Joseph. Uh, Joseph doesn't say anything. There's no quote in the Bible that, I mean, Mary has her song, and um, but Joseph, no words are quoted. He's just faithful 
Joseph, basically stepdad to Jesus, and God used him greatly because he chose to do the right thing. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her, divorce her quietly. So they were betrothed. You had to get divorced to end that. Uh, they weren't officially married. They were in the process. And Joseph um, did not understand what was going on. And how could he? I mean, okay, you're pregnant, and, and by what? This has never happened before. I thought you were really trustworthy, but maybe now, maybe you have mental issues I didn't know about. Uh, you know, what would go through his head? I mean, he's trying to do the right thing. And he was uh, gracious enough that he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Uh, we didn't, he didn't want to make his public spectacle out of it, I should say. So, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So, I mean, pretty sure that Joseph had plans to get married and start his own family and uh, have his firstborn son, you know, be, be his, not be a stepdad, not be in that whole situation. Um but on the other hand, I think he was delighted to be able to serve God in this way. I'm pretty sure that when God calls you to do things, that he puts it on your heart and it becomes uh, something that consumes you that you want to do. So again, not a whole lot is said of Joseph. He appears to have died early, but he was the one that was entrusted to raise baby Jesus into a man. So the carpenter giving skills, giving wisdom, protecting, guiding, providing. God used Joseph. Joseph was willing to um, serve God in that way and to have his plans changed. He was flexible, and we need to do that when God calls us to do things. Number three, number three, say yes to going on God's adventures like Mary. Say yes to going on God's adventure like Mary. Uh, verse 12. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. 
Verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. I mean, can you imagine what Mary would be going through when she was hearing this? It's like, I'm going to do what? Is this going to happen? How? Is he going to hurt? Uh, you know, but, uh, but I'm sure that the Spirit was upon her. Um, her heart was burning. She's like, okay, whatever you want from me, God, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to, I want to do this. Because verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And sometimes you need to step out in faith and to serve God and to just go on the adventure and see where it leads. All right, number four, experience all that God is offering you like the shepherds. Experience all that God is offering you like the shepherds. Verse chapter, Luke chapter two, verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Verse 12, this is important. And you, who, who, me? You, the shepherds, will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Man, so the shepherds could have said, you know, we're guarding the sheep. We're guarding the sheep. Wolves may attack. So we're going to stay here with the sheep. We That's good. The angels, that's awesome. We'll read about it in the paper. So maybe we can catch the YouTube video. But uh, we can't leave. No, they're like, let's go see this thing. I mean, the angels personally invited them. Shepherds didn't get invited to anything. They were seen as kind of stinky outsiders. You know, you stay out there with the sheep, then get invited to stuff. And the angels are inviting them. Why did the angels invite them? Well, my guess is because the shepherds had time. You know, there are probably other people that were busy doing other things, saying, I can't, I can't. Uh, well, if the angel said, you know, I can't fit it in, you know, I wish you would have given me advance notice, then I would have been able to, to make that work, but I just can't make that work. Shepherds are like, got nothing to do, but watch these sheep. So, uh, I'm going to go see. And I also have a feeling that God chose shepherds because Jesus was the good shepherd. And I think that shepherds were great storytellers. So I think that as the shepherds, uh, were in the fields guarding the flocks of sheep, I think they became really good at retelling stories. And I think that they were the ones that would be able to retell this story well uh, to the other people to spread the good news. They could have procrastinated. They could have said, you know, that's a good thing. We'll go check that out tomorrow. But they did. They jumped on it right away. You know, I have a fear that a lot of people procrastinate too much. We always put things off. I'll read my Bible tomorrow or next week. I will follow Jesus. I will serve Jesus. I will receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior another day. Uh, tomorrow, I'll keep 
uh, you know, they keep putting it off. So um, in every age, uh, there are procrastinators, uh, people who wait too long to do the important things, too long to uh, have the important talk with their parents or their uh, grandparents or their kids or whatever to seek forgiveness or, or whatever. And then somebody dies and there's no opportunity to uh, go and say those things. Anyway, procrastination is bad. We procrastinate in many ways. Let's not be procrastinators. A legend recounts a company of demons before Satan's throne. Satan barks in a loud voice. Who will go to earth to convince people not to give their lives to Jesus? And one said, I'll go and tell them there's no heaven. That won't work, Satan protested. The conviction of a better life is too deep-seated in the hearts of men. Then I'll go, said another. I'll tell them there's no hell. Won't work, Satan thundered. Man's conscience will witness against such mockery. Just then a dark spirit glided forward. Satan, I'll go. And what will you tell them? I will tell them, answered the spirit. You have plenty of time to trust in Jesus. Tomorrow will be soon enough to give your heart to the Savior. There's no hurry. According to the legend, that was the demon sent, and is still abroad the earth, whispering to the hearts of men and women, there's plenty of time for Christ. There's no hurry to get religious. Just have fun while you can. Tomorrow is soon enough. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait. Don't wait to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't wait to tell others of Jesus. Don't wait to serve Jesus. Number five. Keep Christ's return in perspective like Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to all nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. So Simeon had a bucket list, and on that bucket list was he wanted to see the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would before he died. And now that that list had been fulfilled, he was ready to go be with the Lord in heaven. His life was complete to be able to see Jesus, uh, the Messiah, even as a baby, his life was complete. So awesome to walk with God and to be able to have those experiences uh, where God reveals things to you, where God um, works in such a special way that you just feel so close to uh, what the Lord is doing in your life and other people's lives. And when he answers your prayer, when he puts a desire on your heart that it's your true heart's desire to serve in a certain way, to do a certain thing. And then when it's been accomplished or when you've experienced it, to thank God for that opportunity. So awesome. You know, the Apostle Paul had invested in Timothy, uh, and uh, the book of 2 Timothy is actually Paul writing to young Pastor Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul writes, 
I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, to preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear, and they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Whoa, that sounds like the news in 2020. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry. God has given you. I'm going to show you a video in just a second about a sermon that you can preach at Christmas time. Uh, but let me read verse 6. Paul writes, But as for me, my life has already been poured out like an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. That's the way to use our time. That's the way to use our time so that when we come to the end of our life, we can say that we use our time wisely, that we accomplish God's plans and purposes for our lives. We have finished the race and we have remained faithful. Watch this video. A virgin mother. A baby in a manger. The angels and the shepherds. It's a story heard throughout the world by believers and non-believers alike. Christmas arrives with gifts of hope, love, joy, and peace. At no other season is the world more receptive to the news that God loves the world. But no matter how familiar we are with the Christmas story, sharing our faith can be difficult. In the Bible, the Apostle John gives us a solution. One verse makes it as simple as possible. And it's a Christmas sermon that you can preach. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Even though these words are familiar, we cannot take them for granted. The reality is that God loves everyone. Jesus was sent to rescue us from our sins. No matter who you are or what you've done, you can experience eternal life by simply believing in Jesus as your Savior. John 3.16 sums up perfectly the good news of Christmas. It's a Christmas sermon that you can preach, and the world is waiting to hear it. All right, number six, spend time praying and worshiping like Anna. Spend time praying and worshiping like Anna. Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow in the to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So 
she was tight with God because she was praying all the time, interceding for people and worshiping the Lord. And you and I can make such a difference when we pray, when we pray for others, when we pray for people to get saved, when we pray for people to get healthy, when we pray for people to find Jesus, as we pray for people to get their needs met, uh, praying for so many things. Uh, it's not a sin. It's not wrong to pray for our own needs and pray for ourselves. So when we walk with Jesus, Jesus tells us to pray and expect to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness uh, and pray. And he will provide everything that we need and answer our prayers according to his will. We're supposed to pray in his name. So that's why we pray in Jesus name. But uh, so many things can be said about prayer. There's great books on prayer. There's actually reading a book of, on prayer, uh, Pastors in Prayer by E.M. Bounds this week. So it's good to read books on prayer. It's even better to pray. So do both. Andrew Murray had said each time, before you intercede, be quiet first and worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do and how he delights to hear the prayers of his redeemed people. Think of your place and privilege in Christ and expect great things. Again, I was reading in this another in the same devotional book, uh, a prayer for joyful Christians. And uh, it's a good prayer for us too. It says, Dear Lord, make me a joyful Christian, not just on Christmas Day, but every day of the year. Let me tell the story of your son, not just at Christmas time, but in every season of the year. Let me be your generous, loving, faithful servant today, tomorrow, and forever. You know, I've been talking a lot about faith and Jesus. And you and I all have a problem with sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin is doing anything outside of the will of God. It's lying, cheating, stealing, all those things um, that are outside of God's will. Rebellion against God. Uh, Jesus is the solution to our sin problem, to our sin disease. Jesus came to earth like we've been reading about, as a baby, grew up among people, taught us how to live, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, ascended into heaven, and he's coming back soon. And by believing upon him, by placing our faith in him, we can be saved from our sins. Uh, to make that happen, a great thing to do is to ask through prayer. Uh, praying something like this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. Teach me your ways so that I can use my time wisely and be used greatly of you with my remaining days on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Or something like that, that is a great prayer to pray to the Lord. So I'm almost done here, but I wanted to read a poem kind of a long poem, by C.T. Studd. He was a missionary to China. I think he was a cricket player that uh, gave up cricket to be a missionary. Cricket was a big deal back then, uh, which I mentioned because there's a cricket field uh, right, across the, um, right across the highway from our church land. So anyway, uh, he was a British missionary to China, and this is what C.T. Studd wrote. Well, probably over a hundred years ago, but it's fitting even for today. Listen to these words. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life, twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep, faithful and true whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life, only one life, will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I'll know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. I know Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and Simeon and Anna and Paul and Timothy and all those who faithfully serve Jesus will be excited to see Jesus because they spent their time wisely and honored the Lord with the days that he gave them. Let's just pray one more time. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for these people. I pray that you would bless them in so many ways. I pray that you would speak to their hearts and show them what your will is for their life. I pray that they would use their time wisely and grow. And even in this COVID time, that they would get prepared for what comes next, for the time when COVID's not an issue and people are free to do whatever, that we would be ready to uh, share our faith face-to-face, -face, that we would be ready to invite people in to experience Jesus, to grow in their faith, to uh, have great ministries for children and people of all ages, and to just do abundantly more than we've done in the past, and to continue to ask for uh even more than we can imagine, Lord, that you would do great things. We thank you for this time, and we thank you uh, for the uh, opportunities that you give us to know about you and to share you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, anyway, so I hope that uh, I will see you in person soon. I hope that we will be meeting and having church in person soon. So we are trying to buy a building. Uh, we don't see it as our forever church home, but we see it as a great tool to help us to be more effective. So would you pray that that would happen? 
maybe even give uh, to that. So we need to prove that we can afford the payments. So uh, by regular giving to our general fund, that helps make that work. You can give by going to riverrockchurch.give and uh, you can give online or you can give at P.O. Box 184, Bell Plain, Minnesota 56011. You can hear more of our messages online at riverrockchurch.com slash watch or riverrockchurch.com slash listen. Share your prayer requests at riverrockchurch.com slash pray and uh, see what groups we have going on at riverrockchurch.com slash groups. So you have yourself a great week. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.